The following recording is offered by the Village Zendo. For more information, please visit villagezendo.org. Thank you so much, uh, Kondo. And it's uh, just incredible uh, to look at everyone and see um, just the Village Zendo just full. So many people and so many people online. So thank you so much uh, for being here. Um, I f- just feel so supported by your presence. So my name is Jisei. I'm a senior student at the Village Zendo, and I'm speaking from South Burlington, Vermont. It's uh, cloudy here. It's very quiet. Not so, so cold, but it is February. The days are lengthening. Uh, Can we imagine in this wintry and cold month that new life is forming beneath the frozen ground and that mysterious processes are happening? New life is forming. New life um, that we can't see yet unless we look closely at the Navi buds that are forming on tree limbs. Uh, Roshi mentioned yesterday at Sezenkai that she noticed forsythia blooming, uh, not here in Vermont yet. But we trust, right, in time, new life, and that the world will be a bloom and humming with flowers, leaves, butterflies, and bees uh, in a short time. And uh, we ourselves uh, depend on all of the seasons, light and dark, the weaving and threading, lengthening, shortening, always changing times of our lives, in sickness and in health, in all seasons, to come to fruition and bear fruit and bloom. And so with ourselves, those of us who trust and have faith in the Dharma, in our practice, Zazen, that there is the potential for blooming. We might say to bloom, or I think of it, is to become more fully myself, ourselves. Or we could say becoming more aware, kinder, caring, serving in the midst of all the difficulties and challenges that life presents and the difficult times that we now live in. So with all that in mind, I'm going to talk about case 11 in the Book of Serenity, Yunman's Two Sicknesses. I have spent some time with this Cohen on, and I've struggled uh, to find a way to talk about it today. It is complicated, yet at the same time, I think in a simple way, speaks about practice as a way to mature and evolve. This koan feels very personal to my life and experience of Zen practice. Koans challenge us to listen to what doesn't make sense. Our life sometimes. See into what is unseeable. Penetrate 
and move us to a nonlinear way to hear and see without ears and eyes, we say in Zen sometimes. So here we go. Case 11, Book of Serenity, Yunman's Two Sicknesses. Great Master Yunman said, when the light does not penetrate freely, there are two kinds of sickness. One is when all places are not clear and there is something before you. Having penetrated the emptiness of all things, subtly, it seems like there is something. This too is the light not penetrating freely. Also, the Dharma body has two kinds of sickness. One is when you manage to reach the Dharma body, but because your clinging to Dharma is not forgotten, your, you, your sense of self still remains and you fall into the realm of the Dharma body. Even if you can pass through, if you let go, that won't do. Examining carefully to think, what breath is there? This too is sickness. So my first thought was that this koan is talking about different levels of awareness that change over time as a practitioner practices. We need, though, to keep in mind that levels of awareness, my term, right, is just a way to speak about practice and the potential to change over time. Nonlinear, there's a back and forth, up and down, cross current to the flow, around rocks, into the weeds and out again as water flows down a river to the ocean, our practice. So let's look at the first line. When the light does not penetrate freely, there are two kinds of sickness. One is when all places are not clear and there is something before you. In the early days of practice, as the practitioner quiets and settles, thoughts and feelings arise. The Buddha said, take a backward step, bring light into the darkness, hold up a lantern, a light, examine, look into the dark well of your being. This is a time of becoming more intimate with oneself in the body. When I began practice a good number of years ago, I experienced extreme grief that I didn't know was there. It was very painful and hard to sit with. But over time, I learned to be more present, stable, stay with my sad feelings, uh, letting them run their course through, not bypassing. Over time, 
my bearing witness muscle to my internal world strengthen. I began to witness, listen to the voices inside that criticize and praise my mother, father, two of the many, to pay attention to conditioned thoughts and voices that I had taken on as my own. I began uh, to recognize these voices as not my own. I learned that when triggered in my everyday life, that I needed to investigate. When I had a critical thought or strong emotion about someone, I needed to ask why. Most of the time, my critical reaction uh, has had to do with some quality the person had that I wanted and felt I lacked or a way in which the person and I were uncomfortably the same, perhaps both perfectionistic controlling. Recently, I had a pang of shame after a thought I hadn't done something. I thought I hadn't done something well. Now I remind myself, don't hold on to this. Yes, feel it, look question. I might jokingly say, oh, back again, that old feeling, but probably a little less intense, but still there. So I have a way now, a way to not take myself so seriously, a way to not get hooked a way to cope with difficult emotions, a way to evolve. At this stage, a practitioner becomes more grounded in their body and attentive, aware of thoughts and feelings, shining the light of awareness, healing. So I kind of thought at one point, um, this passage from uh, the identity of relative and absolute kind of came up. Within light, there is darkness, but do not try to understand that darkness. Within darkness, there is light, but do not look for that light. Light and darkness are a pair like the foot before and the foot behind in walking. Each thing has its own intrinsic value and is related to everything else in function and position. So continuing with Yunmen in the case, having penetrated the emptiness of all things, subtly it seems like there is something. This too, is the light not penetrating freely. In this stage, the practitioner looks outwards towards others. The emptiness of all things are interconnection, interbeing, Indra's net. At this point, I'll call it me too awakening. Me too. Becoming human, 
realizing that we all suffer. It's not me in my little garret anymore, alone and lonely. Everything that has been brought forth in the first stage, everything that was shed light on, that was hidden, not allowed, has brought me down to earth, into my body, into my life, reality. At this stage, one becomes tenderized, human in a body. We are all human. There is suffering, old age, sickness, and death. We're in it together. The practitioner now feels connected to everyone, to all beings, belongs, sangha, community, feels a place and more comfortable in the world. I realize that everything that I go through has the potential to give me a window into another person's life experience. To feel, to care, to connect, and respond. Yunman goes on, this too is the light not penetrating freely. This too is sickness. Again, he says, also the Dharma body has two kinds of sickness. One is when you manage to reach the Dharma body, but because you're clinging to Dharma, is not forgotten, your sense of self still remains, and you fall into the realm of the Dharma body. We can cling to the teachings and get stuck there, too holy, too good. We get attached to the teachings as dogma, scripture, and not able to respond freely, creatively to what is present. When I hold the teachings tightly, when I'm thinking about them, as I move through the world, my sense of identity is connected to my Zen practice. The teachings have not become part of my bone and marrow. I'm not moving freely, flowing. Yeoman continues, even if you can pass through, if you let go, that won't do. Examining carefully to think, what breath is there? This too is sickness. What breath is there? The discriminating mind is separating thinking, this too is sickness. And there's a verse to this koan. The dense web of myriad forms is so precipitous, passing through beyond location blocks the eyes. Sweeping out his garden, her garden, who has the strength? Hidden in a person's heart, it naturally produces feelings. 
A boat crosses a rustic ford wet with autumn's aqua marine. Sailing into the reed flowers, shining on the snow, bright with a bolt of silk, an old fisherman takes it to market. Floating in the wind, a single leaf travels on the waves. The dense web of myriad forms is so precipitous. Oh, what a tangled web we weave. So much to unravel, so steep, dangerous. Opening Pandora's box, what will emerge? So painful, will I survive holding up a light? The journey through. Passing through beyond location blocks the eyes. Stuck in emptiness, stuck in the absolute. Too holy, too good. The light not penetrating. This too is sickness. Sweeping out her garden, who has the strength? Pulling up weeds, taming the entangling vines, pruning the overgrown, sweeping the dirt and dust, never ending. It takes great determination and faith to keep going in all this shit. Hidden in a person's heart, it naturally produces feelings. Whatever is hidden in the dark recesses, the deep well of our being, will have free play and the potential to wreak havoc in our relationships and the world. When a feeling comes to the surface, it's an opportunity. Take a look. Sickness can be a gate. And here's a quote that I think speaks eloquently to this line in the verse. It's from the Gnostic Gospels, the Gospel of Thomas. Quote, if you bring forth what is within you, what you bring forth will save you. If you do not bring forth what is within you, what you do not bring forth will destroy you. A boat crosses a rustic ford wet with autumn's aquamarine, sailing into the reed flowers shining on the snow, bright with a bolt of silk, an old fisherman takes it to market, floating in the wind, a single leaf travels on the waves. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. I wear the Tathagata's teaching, saving all sentient beings. Yunmen 
in the last line of the case, even if you can pass through, if you let go, that won't do. Examining carefully to think, what breath is there? This too is sickness. I'm left with the question, what isn't sickness? What isn't sickness? Sickness is never ending. We exist in bodies that will age, get sick, and die. As human beings, feelings and thoughts are never ending. Yuntman is also well known in another famous koan. koan. Medicine and sickness subdue each other. Who am I? Everything we encounter is an opportunity for healing. Roshi Ankyo gave a talk recently in which she said, everything is medicine. And she held up her finger, a blade of grass came to my mind. This image evoked a case in which the Buddha is walking with Indra and others looking for a place to build a sanctuary. A blade of grass is held up and placed in the ground. The sanctuary is built. A sanctuary wherever we are. And Roshi encouraged us in her talk to sit, breathe, be present, flowing, meeting the moment, serving, offering whatever is needed. Everything is sickness. Everything is medicine. Everything is healing. Practice with great determination as if you had fire on the top of your head. And I'm going uh, to end now with a poem uh, by Emily Dickinson, Bloom. Bloom is result to meet a flower and casually glance would scarcely cause one to suspect the minor circumstance assisting in the bright affair so intricately done and offered as a butterfly to the meridian to pack the bud 
oppose the worm, obtain its right of dew, adjust the heat, elude the wind, escape the prowling bee. Great nature, not to disappoint, awaiting her that day to be a flower is profound responsibility. To be a flower is profound responsibility.